Today on City Cash Chicago, we want to wish everybody a happy Friday and a happy Pride. To help us look back on the week, I got the co-publisher of the reader, Tracy Bame, and covering Lakeview, Lincoln Park, and Old Town for Block Club Chicago, Jake Wittage. It's Friday, June 10th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is City Cash Chicago. Tracy and Jake, welcome back to CityCast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I want to ask y'all a quick question, right? Uh, Chicago festival season is uh, in full swing. Things are happening every single week. I want to ask y'all if y'all got a favorite festival uh, during the the Chicago summer season. Tracy, I'm going to start with you. You got a festival that you you love? Um, I am sadly going to be missing the Pride Parade this year. I have a family thing in Ohio, um, but that is usually my favorite thing to do. Um, and then the Andersonville Festival, I think, is my favorite to go to. I am not someone who goes to a ton of festivals anymore, being edging in on 60 years old. Uh, and also, because <laughs> I'm short, believe it or not, that is definitely something that makes you stay away from festivals because you, the claustrophobia is re- very real. And also just uh-huh. sweaty armpits and all of that is very real. Um, so I actually have never been much of a festival person. I'm not even going to lie. I feel you on that. I promote so many and I shout out so many on the show, but I can't make that many during the summer. The, having so many people close up on you. It wasn't a thing I was into pre-COVID. It's not a thing I'm into during COVID. Um, but I do enjoy how many different types of festivals they have, right? This weekend alone, you got the the Puerto Rican Pride Festival happening in Humble Park. You mentioned the fest, the Midsummer Fest happening up in Andersonville. You got High Park Summerfest. Jake, you got a festival that you love going to yeah tracy already said it but i love andersonville's midsummer fest um the lineup this year is stacked they've got they're doing the waldo's forever fest which was canceled due to a fire they've got a stage there and then there's another stage by the chicago therapy collective they're putting on an all trans showcase in honor of elise mallory who was found dead earlier this year and um i just think there's going to be a lot of great performances and a great lineup there Oh, no, I love both of uh, y'all speaking to the Andersonville Fest. Uh, Jake, what was the story, uh, your top story this week that you were really following? I recently did a story about drag kings in Chicago. Drag queens get a lot of attention from RuPaul's Drag Race, and they're kind of the main um, feature that gets a lot of attention. But Chicago is actually home to a thriving scene of drag kings, which is um, people taking on more of a masculine-leading gender persona when they transform in in their makeup and looks and um, it was just a really fun feature to talk to these artists have them share their art with me why was this so important for you to share this story and what was it like having these different conversations yeah for me it was important because i really want to shine light on parts of the community that maybe don't get as much attention and like i said um, drag kings can often be overlooked some people don't even know they exist which is crazy because they've always existed and been part of the culture where are some of the places people can go to see drag kings perform yeah berlin nightclub every other saturday it's host they have the saturday night drag show and it's hosted by tenderoni who's a very popular drag king and then there is also luca me who identifies more as a drag alien um they've got some really cool looks that they do but they host a show every sunday at 5 p.m at um charlie's called queried mm-hmm. uh, tracy um you've been covering the lgbtq community as long as anybody in the city of chicago is drag king something that you've uh watched in person or something that you've covered as well the drag king scene here in the 90s was really fascinating and i covered a lot of it went to a ton of shows and it definitely has kind of 
come and gone a lot over the years. It's great to see that it's coming back. Um, and a lot of those folks are, you know, much older now. <laughs> and to see them out and about in the community, um, it's almost unrecognizable. Um, and uh, for me, during Pride Month, I try to go to as many uh, events as possible. And uh, the highlight for me over the last week or so was the AIDS Memorial Garden uh, dedication at the Belmont Rocks. Jake was there. In essence, you know, it calls attention to the crisis of the, the 80s and 90s and that it is still with us today. So it's kind of a, a memorial that has, it's it's as if you had like a World War II memorial, but World War II is still going on. Um, and so it it really was powerful for me to see some of the names of people I covered before. And my mind was just full of, of folks that I covered that weren't, you know, did not live to see this day. Um, and the most impressive thing is this huge Keith Haring sculpture it's really over the years, I think going to take a, a new visual shape as the trees grow, as the, as everything grows around it, I think it's going to be really an incredible permanent. Well, as long as Lakeshore uh, stays at where it is now, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't move too far inland. Um, that memorial is going to be an amazing. Uh, thing. Maybe that that's happening. The head of it will be peeking out over Lake Michigan someday. <laughs> I mean, it's this really tall, beautiful green uh, statue and its location. Can you speak to that in that importance as well? It's located at the Belmont Rocks, um, which, again, Jake wrote about, which a uh, popular gathering place uh, during the 60s um, and the 90s. Can, can you talk to about that place? Yeah, I mean, especially for gay men um, and and also over a period of decades, the black gay community uh, gathered there on Pride weekend. Um, it really was this safe zone in the middle of the city, uh, cruising and all sorts of other things. Looking at Owen Keenan's collection of photos from the from the 70s, 80s and 90s is really fascinating to look at the the outfits and the hairstyles and just the the the. I don't know, the happiness of people um, that were able to gather together in public spaces, a very important part of the movement's history in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, Jake, you, you went to the to the dedication as well. Uh, what was something that you, you took away from it? Yeah, I mean, it was a really beautiful ceremony. Uh, normally, I don't enjoy hearing a bunch of politicians talk, but <laughs> um, but really what stood out to me was the history of the location. Um, being so close to the Belmont Rocks, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, she talked about how um, she, when she was first coming out of the closet as a lesbian, she um, had visited the Rocks after her first Pride Parade. And it just really opened her eyes to the possibilities of her life and assured her that she was making the right choice by coming out of the closet. Um, so just hearing that, hearing firsthand accounts from the Belmont Rocks was really powerful to me. Yeah. I mean, speaking of uh, gathering places and being able to gather uh like safely, um, you know, news came out. I believe there might be they might be in a hearing as we speak, trying to decide what's going to happen with the pride parade in Aurora. Tracy, is this something that you've been following? Yeah, um, I know that Andrew Davis at Windy City Times has been following it. I mean, the thing is that they didn't want um, officers to march in uniform. Uh, this has been happening at parades across the country. Then when the officers were asked to volunteer for this duty, they didn't they weren't able to get enough to to provide the, the services. So it's a big catch 22, you know, capitulate on the issue of uniforms or we won't protect you. You know, it's a little bit extortionist in some ways, um, but it definitely is not unique to Aurora. There's other cities that have been talking about doing this. Um, it's interesting how Chicago, because the same people have been running Chicago's for so long. Um, it hasn't come up. I think um, that might be something that will come up in, in coming years uh, as the leadership changes in that organization.
I want to stay with you. What's a story that, you know, you want to make sure gets some extra attention this week? Well, in general for Pride Month, I think that the the story is how do we keep uh, the movement, uh, the coverage of the movement diverse? Jake does a phenomenal job with Block Club um, and obviously Windy City Times, that's the role. But I think a lot of times the mainstream dips into the community on Pride Month and, and, and just at the surface and that there are some really incredibly important stories about um, the community, including the the violence against the uh, black and brown trans community um, and economic issues and housing issues. 40% of uh, youth experiencing homelessness identify as LGBTQ. So the, to get to the depth of our community, to the LGBTQ community way beyond Pride Month. How do you continue to model that in your organization beyond, like you said, um, you know, celebrating Pride during June, but providing that coverage throughout the year? Yeah, I mean, at the reader, part of it is making sure that your staff and your freelancers, et cetera, are all from different parts of the city of Chicago. So uh, the reader is uh, about 40% LGBTQ identified. Um, the reader's pride issue is out this week, and it's a combined pride issue with Windy City Times. Is there anything, Tracy, in this pride issue that you think really exemplifies exactly what you're talking about? I think the cover does, <laughs> frankly, the covers <laughs> by uh, Betsy uh, Ochoa, and it is phenomenal. It is colorful. It is diverse. It is represents, I think, the pride issue perfectly as a cover. Uh, so pick up your copies now, and and um, you can get it on the ChicagoReader.com website. You can download the whole PDF. Um, so it's just a wide range of stories, um, from author profiles to you know feature interviews and culture coverage. Yeah, I got the PDF in front of me. This mug is fire. Uh, <laughs> great job. Um, Jake, uh, what is a uh, story this week that you want to make sure it gets uh, the attention it needs? Yeah, this is a pretty hyper-local story, but my coworker Alex Hernandez wrote about Alexander Graham Bell Elementary School, where last week they held their first ever Pride Parade for students. And I just thought it was so powerful to see students marching in support of LGBTQ rights. Um, I can't imagine what it would have meant to me to have a pride parade when I was, you know, in elementary school. That's just so crazy. It would have really opened my eyes to the possibilities in this world. I'm seeing some pictures now uh, of them with their banners, them all smiling together. Did they like have a parade outside the school, march up and down the street? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, they marched around the school. Um, okay. I'm not sure how many times, but <laughs> they marched around the school. Um, and it's part of the school's year-long efforts to incorporate diversity and inclusion into its curriculum. So they did like a pronouns day, and they did a Black Lives Matter day, and they've been teaching lessons about gender, race, culture, ability, and spirituality. So it's just really opening these kids' eyes to um, what a beautiful, diverse world we have at such a young age and teaching them to celebrate that. So much of the rhetoric we have now about banning books and uh, taking curriculums out of school and banning uh, pedagogies in school is, you know, this really reductive language around students inability to process when it's really more about the pre the, the parents wanting to like continue a, a lineage of, of often prejudice and bias. Um, and, and I think stories like this really show that, you know, kids are, are really way more understanding and powerful uh, and empathetic uh, than we give them credit in our in our national and local dialogue. And so it's really good to see uh, Alex Hernandez covering this story. And, and I appreciate you bringing it up. Um, in, in spirit of that protest, uh, one story that uh, you covered that I definitely wanted to bring some attention to as we continue to talk about celebrating Pride Month is the social justice protests. Um, um, 
angle of this as well. There's a, the Sunday's Reclaim Pride protest uh, that's happening, which is the merger of the Drag March for Change and the Pride Without Prejudice. Um, and, and this is one of those things that is continuing to bring an intersectional look at the, the issues that face the LGBTQ community. It, it really is reminding people like trans rights, right? That gun control, that economic and, and social justice policy, these things run together and we can't just be talking about them uh, in June. Yeah, I'm really excited for it to be coming back. Um, I've covered both protests the past two years since they were formed in the wake of George Floyd's murder. And it's always a very powerful protest mixed with fun and celebration of the community and really trying to push the needle forward in terms of achieving a better world for everyone. And it's interesting, we were talking about Aurora earlier um, and the movement to get police out of pride parades. And that's one of their demands of this protest is that um, Chicago police are banned from marching in the pride parade. So, I mean, not that they're part of the organizing committee, but there are calls here in Chicago for that to happen. Mm -hmm. um, how is that tension playing out during pride month when, when you have, you know, groups that are rightfully protesting um, with also these large celebrations, you know, these festivals that are bringing thousands and thousands of people into the streets? Yeah, it's definitely hard to strike a balance. Um, as a reporter, I get to see it all from the pink capitalism of pride that it's become to the marches like what's happening on Sunday where they're trying to bring pride back to its roots. And I mean, I think it's important to remember that the first pride was a protest or even a riot against the police and for raiding their bars. Um, it, it's called the Stonewall Riots for those who aren't aware of that. And it happened in June 1969, which is why we celebrate pride in June. Um, so I think that it's hard. You want to celebrate how far we've come, but at the same time, you don't want to lose sight of how we started and the, the message and the mission behind Pride. You know, I've written editorials ad infinitum over the last 38 years about the commercialization of Pride. It existed in the 1980s and to today. It's interesting. The roots of that really came out of the employee resource groups within these companies where it was quite edgy for them to want to get an agreement to have a float and a parade in the 90s. Uh, representing AT&T or whatever company that might be in. It was actually controversial. It's morphed into a marketing ploy um, for, for many of them. Um, but in many ways, the, the, it's, the corporate activism has also been part of our movement. The changes in corporate policies covering trans healthcare, um, covering um, you know, basic LGBT equality within corporations have changed and transformed coverage across the country even in those states that would not uh, be accepting of LGBTQ people. So corporate activism is a part of the movement and it's important to cover it. We just can't let it overwhelm the rest of the coverage, uh, the grassroots coverage, the coverage of the, the inequalities, um, inequities, and also the police violence that happens still against LGBTQ people. Every single episode of CityCast Chicago, we like to bring people uh, a moment of joy, as I as I like to call it, some good news to get them through the weekend. Um, so, Tracy, what is your some good news or your moment of joy for the people today? Oh, my God, I'm in a little bit of a cynical place right now. But um, <laughs> I do think the joy that I have is that I'm in, in and from Chicago, um, that oftentimes uh, we the bad news about Chicago gets more coverage than the good. And this city is full, I think, of incredible people that have the solutions uh, amongst us to solve the problems that face our city. So 
um, and just looking through the Reader's Pride issue, which I only see when it comes out since I'm on the business side. Um, <laughs> I have at least a day and a half worth of reading ahead of me of some really incredible stories about um, the, the joy of our city. It, it, it's really such a great issue. I was reading it um, earlier today. Jake, what's your some good news to get the people through the weekend? Yeah, um, my moment of joy this past week was just the response to everything we've put out for Pride Month. Um, we have two more newsletters coming out, one on the 16th and then another on the 30th. So we've got a lot of Pride content still in the chamber ready to come out. Um, but the response has been amazing. One message that really stood out to me was from a person who said they identify as gay and they just thanked me for everything that we put together. And they said um, that our work is making the community better and more visible, which is definitely my goal is visibility. So it just warmed my heart and let me know I'm doing the right thing here. Mm -hmm. What's a story you're really excited for people to read from that newsletter? I have an interview with Mama Gloria. She is a black trans elder here in Chicago. Um, and she's really been pushing the needle. And um, she once opened up a charm school to uh, mentor younger trans people in Chicago. And I just think she has got an awesome life. So if you're interested in learning more about that, look out for a story on Mama Gloria coming out the 16th. Nice. Uh, she is so amazing to talk to. I was very lucky to have a conversation with her. My some good news uh, for the people is it's a little selfish, uh, but it's an event that's coming up next week. Uh, and it's with Right Club Chicago, which is like this local essay battle group It's going to be at the, the Golden Dagger. And basically they bring writers in from across the city and they battle each other in these different topics. I'm going to be going against Six Figure Dilla. He's going to be talking about beaches. I'm going to be talking about parks. Um, you know, that man is, is smart as hell. Every time I talk to him, it is one tangent after another and I learn everything. Um, I just think Chicago parks are cooler than Chicago beaches. They're more accessible. They're, they're more available and you can use them uh, more throughout. I'm, I'm not going to preview my whole argument, um, but but I wonder if listeners have opinions. And, and But I also wonder from y'all as well. Uh, uh, Tracy, are you beaches or parks? Wh which one are you going for? Parks, 100 percent. Okay. Uh, I grew up near Lake Michigan. Like I could get to Lake Michigan, but I spent 99% of my time in the parks. Now I'm in Portage Park and I played in Little League and all sorts of parks all over the city of Chicago. <laughs> Come on, Jake. Now I got to ask you, you parks or beaches? I am Team Beaches. Um, oh, oh, come on. <laughs> I, I lived in Edgewater for several years and I just loved living so close to the Hollywood Gay Beach. It was my happy place. I would make my coffee in the morning, walk over to the beach, have it there, read and write a little bit, maybe journal. It was just so relaxing to take up the sun, hear the waves. Um, beaches are my happy place. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't front your move. That's a great story. And it's a great reason to like beaches. But if people want to come out to Right Club, uh, it is going to be next Wednesday at 7 o'clock at the Golden Dagger. I'll drop a link in the show notes. But also, if you got opinions on this, let me know. You can leave a voicemail for City Cash Chicago at 773-780-0246. Tracy and Jake, I'm so grateful for both of y'all coming on City Cash Chicago. Thank y'all uh, so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Right now, it's two to one in favor of Parks. So I got to ask the team how they feeling. 
lead producer Carrie Shepard, which one is it for you? I'm definitely team parks on this one. Chicago has some of the most beautiful parks in the world. Producer Simone Ali say you team beach or team park? Team beach. Chicago beaches in particular have a special place in my heart. And newsletter writer Sydney Madden, which side of the line you fall on? I'm definitely team beach. Reminds me of summertime shy. The water makes me feel calm. Okay, damn, we got a tie three to three. Me, Tracy, and Carrie, Team Park, Jake, Simone, and Sydney, Team Beach. So that means CityCast listeners, I'm gonna need y'all to break the tie. Which one y'all going for, parks or beaches? You can let us know by texting us or leaving a voicemail at 773-780-0246. All I need is your name, your neighborhood, and your choice, parks or beaches. As always, I gotta thank the people who make the music here at CityCast Chicago. That's Sam Thousand, all the kimonos, and Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop. My last thank you is for you. If this is your first time here, stick around for a little bit. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.